Forgotten Flicks, episode 108, Miami Connection, 1987. My mother was Korean, and my father was black American. She gave me this picture when she was real sick. I was only nine years old. They say that they loved each other and they were real loyal. They were real happy. But then when he finished military duty, he left. And we never saw him again. She told me to find him. But I didn't like him because he left us. But I knew one day when I grew up, I'd find him. Hello, one and all, and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast. If you're new to our show, well, welcome. If you're old to our show, welcome. This show, tonight's show, today's show, whenever you're listening to the show, will be one for the record books. Just in case you are, <laughs> just in case you are new, however, we are a podcast that focuses on movie from that VHS era when mom and pop video stores were flourishing everywhere, which according to one of our <laughs> wonderful listeners, Jesse, may be on a comeback thanks to the demise of Blockbuster. But I digress. <laughs> I am Joel, joined, as always, by that Miami, Miami ninja himself, Jason. I'm not afraid of you at all, at all! I think it just has to be said, Jay. Just, just let's let it roll. Hold on. Are these bums your friends? There's just some misunderstanding. You don't understand. I'm her brother. When I tell you to leave her alone, leave her alone. Whatever you say. Just remember what I said if you don't want to get hurt. You don't scare me at all. Jane, I want to talk at to you all. later. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot. You do not scare me at all, at all. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, the best part is he says atoll, like a t o l l, right? And not, like to a, make, and not to make fun of the guy's accent. I mean, he always has a no, very no, thick no. accent. But no. uh, but with with the brilliance of that, there's so many layers there of of awesomeness, of, of sound, of, uh, well, yeah, be, of yeah, because of editing. Well, yeah, because <laughs> when you really get down to it, a the guy is defending his sister's honor. But it's important to note the context. The guy is a big time coke smuggler. Yes, but he's upset that his sister. I, well, I, hold on. We, we, we get, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We'll get into this. We're getting this. Oh so my God, yes. you were mentioning this is a momentous occasion. Yes, um, this is probably the most forgotten a... flick. Most forgotten flick. Truly forgotten flick we've ever done. I would say. And, and as we talk about this, this is 1987. It's a movie that was shot in Florida, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But this is actually a film that probably has gotten the greatest rise from obscurity to acceptance in yeah. the distance it had to travel. Yes, because even Troll 2 had its own cult following prior to the resurgence of it over the last several years in the documentary yes. and everything. So it even and, had its own little ba built-in fan base. This movie was like unseen. 
Plus, if you add in the fact that Troll One had some fairly well-known people in it, you yeah, you had which of course the, uh, they have Bono. nothing to do with each other. <laughs> no, yeah. but you had Sonny Bono, you yeah. had uh, Julia Lewis Dreyfus, who went on to do even greater things. You had at least a baseline that was higher. This may have gone from the furthest down to the highest yeah. up of any movie we've ever covered. Yeah. Ever. Oh yeah, easy. Even By a gnome home. named Gnorm, and that's saying something. Yeah. Yep, because that had um, um, weird science kid uh, Anthony Michael Hall, but Anthony Michael, but it, yeah. but it also, let's be honest, is probably never going to have midnight showings. And... <laughs> no, no, probably not. Although, if there was a theater near me that played it at midnight, I would likely go. Yes, more than likely. Me too. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> so, yes, Miami Connection. Which, if you've not heard of it. <sighs> Uh, uh, it's, we're, we're about to change. We're not, not shame on them. It's understandable. We're about to change their life, though. No shame. On, shame on us. Shame on us <laughs> for introducing. Is, uh, we are into year four of Forgotten Flicks. We've mm. crossed over the line of year three uh, into year four, and we've not covered this film before. But um, buckle in, folks. You're you're in for a ride. <laughs> yes, and if, if those two sound bites didn't clue you into the awesomeness that you were about to behold with your Ears, nothing will. So I'm going to go jump into the trailer so we can just get this party started. Yes, please. I will say in advance, good luck on the synopsis. I have no idea how you even, but whatever. We'll, we'll see how that goes. So let us continue now with the somewhat edited down because two of the main songs featured in said movie lasted about two and a half minutes in the trailer, but we'll play it anyway. Here we go. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have a special treat for you today. We have a new house band. With a new dimension in rock and roll, we have the one, the only, Dragon Sound! This band is the only family I have. They're all black belts in Taekwondo, and they're pretty bad. I don't want you to mess it up by going out with a second-rate musician like that John character. They came in here to play goddamn songs for kids! I escaped the Miami Ninja! Boss, everybody's dead! The following segment of Forgotten Flicks will contain information so pertinent to the film that, if you have not yet seen it, may ruin your viewing experience. So if you plan to see this film, please consider resuming the episode only after you've viewed the film, which you can find at your local video rental store. We now return you to Forgotten Flicks, already in progress. Thank you, JV. I would like to point out... We must stop this senseless killing. We must even <laughs> up the score. Yes. I also have to point out that as of right now, uh, January 
2014. It is not only your local video rental store, it is Netflix Instant Play. Uh, the video store so seemed it, the most apropos, though. Yeah, it did. It did. But <laughs> So I, I will say, I will say what doesn't ever get old in my world. They're on top because they play to win. That is friends through eternity. Loyalty, <clears throat> loyalty, honesty, honesty. Because that's and there's an integrity in there. <laughs> Probably. Yes, that is the awesome <clears throat> dragon sound. The black dragon. belt having band <laughs> of hollow notes rejects. Right. <clears throat> so, Jason, would you like to uh, perhaps give us a synopsis of this cinematic experience? So this is the height of my uh, synopsis life. Mm-hmm. So um, this, is because a, you and this, I is a, this is a test. Is what, <laughs> what this is. <laughs> you and I talked about this movie. Um, you mentioned it. You recommended that we cover this as a very forgotten film. I think someone had even recommended it from our listeners. I think Batchelder. Wasn't it Batchelder posted something a long time ago uh, when it was first released, maybe? <laughs> Potentially. I would say um, it's fitting if it was. It would work. It would definitely fit with uh, what we've been recommended before. So I'd never seen it. I'd never seen it. All I had read about it or researched before going into it was the one-sentence synopsis. And the cover art, which I assume is either the film poster or the DVD cover. Which I kind of think is badass. I'd actually like to have that poster. And it's brilliant Miami action because it's got the colors like Miami Vice, the the teals and the pinks. Mm -hmm. And it's very Miami Vice. But I read this before I watched it. And this is all I needed. A martial arts rock band goes up against a band of motorcycle ninjas who have tightened their grip on Florida's narcotic trade. Yes. Uh, that's all I needed. You really? And I said, yeah, sure. That sounds great. Let's, let's go with it. And your, and one's immediate response would be, well, this had to be a film either directed by Ray Dennis Steckler or David Lynch <laughs> or I, I don't know. Yeah, possibly Bubba Spielberg, Steven's cousin that nobody talks about. But right. it is this movie is I don't even the only word I've come been able to come up with is transcendent. It is. So let me let me set the stage for you, since I don't have a long uh, synopsis. It's basically the story of Mark, who is played by Master Y.K. Kim, who is mm-hmm. a Taekwondo master uh, and his band. And I mean that literally his rock band of friends who are also Taekwondo experts, black belts, and they go up against a band of motorcycle ninjas Mm -hmm. who are sort of taking over the narcotics trade. Isn't that a bit redundant? Uh, Motorcycle. I mean, I, I often think of the two as being just very linked together. They're very analogous of each other. I think of motorcycle. Um, I think of ninjas, ninja. What? Well, no, wait. Is there a, there, there's a ninja? There is a ninja motorcycle, isn't there? Yeah, ninja motorcycles and, and cocaine. Yes. I, I think of those 
you all know, in the same well, I do want to interject one thing here. You know what else makes me think of cocaine? Orlando. Sweet up. How are you, Jeff? How are you? Ready for a good time? Sure. Let's go. That's the good news for you. I scored a new shipment of coke. It's the best. Have you got a taste? I think you'll like it. And move a lot of coke in Orlando. <laughs> I move a lot of coke <laughs> in Orlando. So, <sighs> on the list of things I did not expect going into this movie, uh, one, that um, motorcycle ninjas would be so fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> two, that it was entirely set in Orlando, with mm-hmm. the exception of one two-minute scene <clears throat> that takes place in Miami. Um, just Thus justifying the title. Right. It, right. it does, in fact, have a connection to Miami. It's the opening two minutes. Yes, it's it's a connection. Which is it's probably the best, which, with all joking aside, is probably the actually the best overall put together sequence. Like when you, the opening of the movie to yeah. me, I actually felt like, okay, well, this, this probably isn't good. I mean, this isn't that. I mean, it's it's a typical 80s cheese ball, like straight to video kind of. Well, yeah, it, it opens like it's a typical 80s ninja movie, yeah. which if you've seen American Ninja or mm-hmm. any of those uh, in that in that genre, uh, it, it starts with what seem to be two Miami drug dealers, these kingpins that are dressed like they're in Miami Vice, um, having this deal go down and all of their thugs, <clears throat> excuse me, all their thugs have Uzi submachine guns, you know, that it looks like something you'd see out of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And ninjas roll in and kind of break up the party as they're want to do and typically and you know i'd like to point out while most ninjas wear black it's the ninja that wears white that you really have to watch out for storm shadow Shadow. and did you you, you think at the beginning that they were going to be maybe these vigilantes yeah it kind of felt like they were gonna step in and kill the drug dealers because they were doing bad in their town yeah. or because they had had bad experiences. Which where they honestly, were from, would, but... I think would have been far more interesting <laughs> as a storyline regarding the ninjas. But then <laughs> yes. we wouldn't have had dragon sound as our heroes. And yeah, oh. but the whole movie sets up that it's supposed to be. And by the synopsis, it's supposed to be that these um, ninja motorcycle gang guys were taking over and somehow overtaking the traditional eighties, um, Coke dealers type thing. Mm-hmm. But really that opening sequence was the only part of that. Yeah. The rest of it was just them surviving the ninja. Well, motorcycle. no, because they don't do they even encounter the ninja motorcycle gang until the end. It's mostly them dealing well, with her, the, the girl who's in the band, her brother who's connected to them, but he's not a right, ninja. He's kind of a go between. Yeah. He's kind of a go between. He's a, <clears throat> which I will definitely talk about. He's sort of a Chuck Norris lookalike. Light. Actually, you know who he reminded me of? Light. <laughs> <laughs> no, he reminded me of Billy Mays. Like before he had gained extra poundage. He looked like Billy, Billy Mays yeah, yeah, with if a beard. he weighed 90 pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy Mays here. <laughs> I did. He had the unnaturally brown hair and unnaturally brown beard. Yeah, the Grecian formula had gone through it a uh, couple times. Yeah. But it was really thick and big and odd looking because he was such thin framed. But then again, he does deliver lines like, Are these bums your friends? You're just some misunderstanding. You don't understand. <laughs> I'm her brother. When I tell you to leave her alone, 
Leave her alone. That makes sense. Whatever you say. <laughs> Just remember what I said if you don't want to get hurt. I see what I love about that whole thing is like how they repeat what each other said and then repeat their own thing that they said. And it's almost like that makes sense somebody said, said, yeah, yeah. Just remember what I said. But hey, hey, when I say leave her alone, I mean leave her alone. And also, <laughs> subtext. Oh, no, 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 no. Subtext is far, far too too simple a ploy to use. <laughs> Not when you have lines like... Give me the damn letter now! Okay, okay. You can have Give it. me the letter now. Give me the letter! Do you want him to give you the letter? I can't tell. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly, the ninja part is interesting, everything, but I really want to get into the subplot of we will, of, we will, of Tom. Uh, was he, Tom, he was Tom, right? Tom was the uh, yes, yes. Tom was, yeah, <laughs> it's from my father, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, when I first started, I've never seen this before. Had you seen this before we watched it? Big negative ghostwriter, okay. So, neither of us had watched this. This is a rare movie that we have. Neither has seen any bits of it, anything going into it. Mm -hmm. So I started it, and the credits started rolling, and I saw a name, Y.K. Kim. And immediately I thought, I recognize that name. Where have I seen that before? Is is that maybe – because I like old martial arts movies. I like you know old ninja movies and stuff. I thought maybe somebody I've seen before. So I looked him up on IMDb, nothing. Just this. I was going to say, well, he has one thing. Right, he has this, but I thought, no, there. I, I recognize that name. Well, it's because he had a chain of Taekwondo dojos in Central Florida. And during the 80s, I distinctly remember his commercials. I mean, he really played it up. And I remember it was the big thing of the 80s. It was the big martial arts uh, school to join. And all these kids were doing it after school. And um, I almost joined. I came that close, but I think I did Little League instead. But Oh, good thought, call. You can't do the damn know. crane kick in Little League. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> consequently, I quit Little League uh, halfway through. But, I was going to um, say, consequently, you had that amazing career in the majors. <laughs> I made it all the way to the Kansas City Royals. Um, you know, um, but I had no idea this entire movie was set in Orlando, and I had definitely no idea that it was filmed in Orlando. So when they went through and it was, it was set at UCF, which is the university of central Florida here in Orlando. And this, the, a lot of the scenes take place. The big uh, thugs versus our good guys, rock band scene took place at church street station. Ah. So that's where, when they pull up and all the bad thugs, like looks all like the street, the, it, it looks almost like a train depot. Yeah. It looks the scene looked to me like something out of a Michael Jackson video because they all seem to have these like wooden sticks. <laughs> right. it, was, it was like a bad video, but um, it was, that was at church street station, which is in the center of downtown. I had no idea, but the YK Kim, he was a Taekwondo master that opened a chain in here uh, at, in central Florida. And that's where I knew the name and the commercials and all that from, but, well, um, well, martial arts were a big deal in the eighties. It's not just because of Karate Kid, and but and you mentioned American Ninja, but there was I, a lot. I remember that being a big, like especially it seems like around eighty three to eighty five ish, like ninjas. I remember being a very big deal. 
Like I, yeah. I remember my cousin having magazines and he had the throwing stars. Oh yes. You know, I had nunchucks. Everybody had nunchucks. Yep. I'm sure we all <laughs> nun nunned yeah. our chucks with them occasionally. I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. Of course, when you do, by the way, when you do <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> that's what it or or like. you, you you My father! I found my father! <laughs> oh my god! So what happens when you, when you nun your chucks? <laughs> <clears throat> yes, yes. I, here's the, gotta be honest with you, Jason. I just have to break in here. Here's the problem. I don't know. We can't. Like, I, I, there's a part of me that thinks, okay, this should be like a really funny episode on our end. But I just don't know that we can do this justice. It's almost like I feel as if everybody listening right now needs to just stop listening, watch the damn movie, and then come back. Because most yeah. of the people listening right now, I mean, there'll be some that have seen it or at least heard of it enough, but yeah. but I think the majority probably haven't. And and this is and to be fair, you really have to see this to believe it. Is where I'm going, folks. I've, you know, we're we're teasing about it, and we've we're, you know we're playing clips of, of of the dialogue, but this is one of those movies. It definitely falls into that genre of B movies that are so bad you love them. Yeah, and... I'm not even going to pretend here. I I loved this movie. Like, I love this movie. It, it, and and yes. I've determined, I, I and I said this to you earlier, and I didn't want to go into it too in-depth, yeah. and you've heard me rant about this before, but the this movie represents the kind of cheese I like because yeah. I get the sci-fi stuff, I get it, but that is, there's a certain crassness to it because they're intentionally making bad movies, or at the very least, even if the guys who make them are like trying to set out to make a competently made movie. And like compared to this, those by the way are friggin' Citizen Kane. I, I don't give a damn. I mean, oh, yeah, I've yeah. seen Mega Piranha. That thing with Tiffany is a masterpiece, in, yes, at least on the technical end compared to this. But you definitely know that in movies like that, there is some marketing guy behind it that's saying, Bigo. There's, a, there's make, a tongue in cheek aspect yes, to it. If we make a cheesy sci fi movie, we're going to draw a certain number of people to it, and it's going to get us this much exposure, this much revenue, this much uh, um, watching. But in this movie, they're so sincere. It is. They really, and, and, and Jason watched, you watched the interview. There was a recent interview, well, within the last couple of years with YK Cam when this thing was hitting its resurgence. Because Alamo Draft House, if you're familiar with them, they're the ones who released this. And quick, yes. quick, and go ahead. To, to clarify, just to go back to YK Kim was the director. No, no, he was the right, he was the producer and star, but he ended up direct, directing the redo of the end of the, of the movie. Right, right. But he was not the actual yeah. main director. But he was one of the writers as well. Uh, I think he kind of has writing credit, but it's very like I think actually uh, uh, Oates from Hall and Oates, yeah, <laughs> or or, or, yes. or a facsimile thereof. He is in fact credited as the the writer because in that like interview Joseph they Diamond, talked about right? or Joe Diamond, yeah, something like that. He yeah. he ended up having to read like a bunch of screenwriting books at the eleventh hour because they realized as they're shooting they didn't have a script and needed one. Yeah, they asked him to be the. <laughs> hey, will you be the screenwriter and the, and and the production like, yeah. manager? I believe he was also. At, oh, let me check out some books on production managing and yeah, and screenwriting. Um, but even YK Kim said the same thing as a producer and and uh, star of it. He said uh, he had to look up books on how to do it. But everyone went into this sincerely trying to make a great action. Yes. Adventure. And here's the here's the key. Film. Here's the key. I think I've hit on it for myself in sci-fi mo or sci-fi movies. They, everybody in it, they're, prof they're professionals, okay? They set out yep. to make a entertaining, competently made movie. Like, there, nobody sets out. I don't give a crap who it is. No. Or for, to make a piece of shit. Okay, I'm just going to no. say it. No, nobody no, I does. agree. But, but I, I think, think they, they set out to make a 
competently made B movie. This is a difference. In this movie, they set out to change the world. To show you what real friendship really and is. real martial arts is really about. That, that's what it is. And normally, preachy stuff annoys me. But here's the key. It's never preachy because it has lines like, Hey guys, I'm taking a shower first. I mean, seriously. <laughs> okay. Or, or I don't know if you'll be able to make this out. This is from the trailer, I believe, originally. You gotta escape the Miami Ninja. <laughs> As opposed to say the Palatka Ninja or the uh, Amokali. or the Frostproof Ninja. ninja. Or the Frostproof the, or yeah. the Tallahassee Ninja. Oh, dude, you know you do not. <laughs> or the ultimately badass Pensacola. Ninja. I was just about to say you do not f with a Pensacola Ninja. <laughs> Those bastards are near Alabama. You know what I'm saying? No, but this was this was, a, and when I say this was a movie that traveled the longest distance from uh, the lowest it was to the greatest height. When you said that they had to check out books on how to produce movie or how to screenwrite or um, they literally did. And they admit to like that during production. We're not talking about like for, yes. for three years not, prior to making this movie, we studied no. up and boned up on our, our, our thespian so just, and, and yes. as we're making it, someone said, Hey, would you be the production manager? Oh, oh crap! Well, sure. I realized then I have to check out books on how to do production manager. Um, so it it literally set out as YK Kim, who is a fantastic martial artist, a great master, and does inspirational speaking. And, You're totally and, saying and that because he's in the Orlando area and could completely kick your ass. <laughs> he, he very very well could <laughs> at whatever age he's at. I yeah, know, yeah. but he. They set out to make this a sincere movie, and it is like a group of friends went out to make a great movie. And all the people that are in it with him are not stars. They were all his protégés. They were all his uh, students. His students. Yeah. Yes, in, in the uh, Taekwondo dojos that he had. And to the extent that you have to chime in here, he didn't even have a fully developed script. Yeah, I think they said it about a two-page treatment. Which yeah. I don't think he called it a treatment. He's like, we had two pages. and So wow. you have non-actors, mm -hmm. non-producers. Yeah, people who are not and, trained in improv having to do improv. and But they believed in it so much yeah. that he sunk. Okay. <clears throat> what was the budget of this movie? I believe the budget, as I've heard it, is uh, $1 million. What was the budget of Phantasm again? It was well under uh, a one million, I believe. But Bubba Hotep, a personal favorite, and I believe you enjoyed rather well, yes. cost a million dollars, and that came out in the early two thousands. Okay, so was it Phantasm around? I don't know. No, that was seventy nine. Probably a, yeah, maybe maybe still a, yeah still. I think saying okay, Bubba Hotep, which was made, you know, what a good fifteen years or. After. Yeah, 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 16, 17 years after cost uh -huh. the same amount of money. Yeah, so he sunk a lot of his personal wealth into yeah. this. And I think the thing is, you never get this vibe like he made it with the intention. You know, he thought it was going to be a blockbuster, but yeah. like he's so sincere. Like, you see this interview with him recently, and when he says that, you know, he, I get the, he was really embarrassed, I think is what it boils down to. The, the poor guy, here he is, he's had very big success is this martial arts master 
you know, he's, yeah. he's changed lives. He's helped all these people. He wants to do this thing that he think will help spread this message or something he really believes in. What and- he said was martial arts uh, is a different mindset. And he said something to the effect of any person can have wealth and prosperity and physical health. Like any position in life, you can achieve that through martial arts. And yes. I mean, he genuinely, genuinely. Yeah, it was very, it's very sincere. This yes. is not some, you know, no. schmuck who's trying to peddle something. This guy's for real. And yep. he was so sincere. And I think his heart was broken when, because he talks about how he took it to like a hundred, and I believe it too. He took it to a hundred different distributors in Hollywood. They all rejected it, told him it was trash. He took it to the Cannes yes. Film Festival. Now, interestingly, and I couldn't, I thought I saw it in YouTube, but then I couldn't find it again. There's supposedly an alternate ending. Like the original ending is, I guess the hero dies. I don't know if it's Mark that I think Mark's character dies. I think Waikiki Kim. Well, in his in his interview, he talks about that the original ending. Finally, one studio told him that no one's going to buy it because that ending has the good guy die. Yeah, and the hero, the villain gets away. Can't do it, right? And he said, proving again, they had no idea how to make an action movie. Right. So (laughs) he reshot that ending, but that. That the original ending I've I've never seen because the version we've watched. I know, but I think I could I could be completely wrong. I thought when I was looking up clips and things on YouTube, and I just didn't get it. I just didn't click on it at the time, and I I thought it said something about the original. It says like original darker ending of Miami Connection or something. So I didn't. I I don't know. Maybe I'm imagining that, but yeah, there is apparently this alternate ending, and I guess some distributor or or some producer in at, at the Cannes Film Festival, because you know uh, when uh, the Cannes Film Festival is going on, a lot of people are. It's not like everybody's in the actual festival. They've got uh, was it the um, yeah. oh, it's one of the independent, big basically independent film distribution. Uh, I'm brain farting on what the exact name of it. It's been a while. Anyway, the, no, 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 no. In in Cannes. When cans oh, going oh. on, yeah. So they have they basically you go there, you meet with different distributors. So like Troma, yeah. let's say Troma has Toxic Avenger eighteen coming out, they would yep. take it to Can and they would. You essentially, I've heard the stories where they they would go from like there's like a hotel just filled. Every room has a distributor, and maybe a better example would be Troma would actually have one of the hotel rooms, and you have a movie you want Troma to distribute. So you find their hotel room, and you they show go, up. It's yeah. like a big, almost like a big party. This is the way it was at least back in the '90s. I remember hearing these stories about it. So you know, you so I'm guessing that's probably a similar situation. So Waikiki Kim brings this movie there. This guy tells them, you go back and reshoot the ending. You probably could sell it. Now I think he ended up selling it for a hundred grand was what he ended up getting a distribution deal for which obviously didn't quite cover costs one tenth of what it but cost, i think when yeah. it gets going back to that interview with him he talks about how when this resurgence happened first i guess the people from the alamo draft house that when they wanted to produce it uh, or rather uh, redistribute it they contacted yeah. their people contacted him and he would he apparently i read something said like for weeks he rejected their calls like he wouldn't yeah, because he, he thought it was a joke because yeah, because he said that he had received all kinds of uh, other requests throughout throughout time after he had released it that uh, he just wanted nothing to do with it. And he said in his own words that shooting it and trying to get it distributed was hell. Yeah. Literally hell. And that, that so many people rejected it and nobody wanted it so that 25 years later hey, when hey, he's guys, receiving they said requests— he, they, Wait, he said this was, a fr- this was like hell. And this is a guy who lives in Orlando. Right. So he's saying it's like normal life. (laughs) But, you know, by the so by the time that this re-energizing of of B movies and this this love of sincere films that were uh, underrated at the time, he didn't believe it. He thought it was a joke or that someone was trying to get it. So he actually had to talk to his attorney. Yeah. 
to get them to agree to, yeah, this could be sincere, and then draft yeah. house. And then they found, yeah, they found, oh yeah, they, yeah, this is a legit company. When I think yeah. I, I did read something that I can't remember which one it was, but one of the guys that owns Alamo, uh, he had actually bought a copy of this movie blind, a VHS copy off of eBay for fifty bucks. I guess he read oh. the synopsis, said, "What is I?" You know, this is a guy who prides himself on seeing every culty, you know, midnight movie type movie. It's like, wow, one I've never even heard of. What the heck is this? So he buys it sight unseen and just gets it. It's like, this is amazing. How, how is it? And that's why he decided to distribute it. So he just happened to come across it, which is pretty cool. So I I, I think when Waikiki Kim was talking, though, and you could even see how he was getting teary-eyed because he talked about they did the midnight screening and people were just... You know, he figured well, it first. Yeah, they showed up. He said that by the 11 well, o'clock yeah, you know, show. He said, yeah, well, he said at first, like at 9, there's like a few people there. You know, 10 o'clock, there's like 60 people, but there's so many seats still empty. But he said all of a sudden, like at 11 o'clock. It filled, yeah. It just, and, and just the look on his face as he's talking about that. And just, yeah. and they cheered and they, and it's like, you could see how much it meant to him. And it's one of those things that, look, I don't think the dude is of any deluded notion like the guy who directed uh, troll 2 if you watch the documentary best first movie which is fantastic yeah you haven't seen it, by the way, that guy is like when, when, when people yeah. point out like how much they love it and they talk about like the cheesy like what do you mean cheesy but, right right he, so he believes yeah. he's made some high art i don't think yk kim has got that delusion i think he thinks he's making some kind of great statement on friendship and the spirit of martial yeah. arts and that's fine if he wants to think that but mm -hmm. i don't think he deludes himself into thinking it's some grand masterpiece and the fact that people like it because of the cheese factor, I think he's fine with the fact that people like it, period. So, Except that he does say when asked if he's interested in making a sequel. Yes. He does say he wants to make an Oscar-worthy Yes. Well, he said, I, I think we may have a communication issue there because he said <laughs> that so that families could see it. So I don't know if he's – because last time I checked, quite a few – Oscar, uh, yeah, Oscar motion pictures are, are not, not for the family. Movie. Not really. Yeah. <clears throat> Some of them aren't for anybody. English patient. I'm looking at you. <laughs> <sighs> Which speaking of, uh, this film is pretty much family with the exception of one major scene, which I still think is family for my family. Cause we're kind of different. Um, but it's, it's, it's got some very bloody scenes in it. Yes. Like there's probably two or three where someone said, Hey, listen, we've paid for this blood pump machine. We've got to at least use it once. We need at least a so, couple uh, arterial sprays across <laughs> someone's face at some point. In this so movie. somebody stand in front of this, let us pump blood on your face. And then we'll, we need find a money a way to shot folks. We need a right. money shot. So <laughs> there were a couple of those. And then there seemed to be this sequence in the middle because the ninja bikers, the ninja bikers it just never were, gets old even saying that, does it? It doesn't. It really, it really, really doesn't. The ninja bikers were all on sort of these almost what I would call geek motorcycles. They're not big fat Harleys. They don't have the big ape hanger handlebars. Yeah. They're very small at the time. Uh, they're Yamahas or Honda. I'm motorcycles. pretty sure that these are the kind of bikes that if you actually rode up into bike week, you'd get your ass kicked. Yes. Yes. They weren't big they weren't um hogs no they were not hogs so there's a point in the movie in which they're trying to make out that these bikers are badass mm -hmm. and so they show 
a conglomeration of bikers or this kind of gathering of the typical Daytona bike week bikers. And, well, and here's years. the key. And here's the key to that, to add to this little point. <laughs> it, it was actually bike week was go, had to be going on. And this is like classic guerrilla filmmaking, yeah. which again, they had a million dollar budget. So it's debatable That's whether that applies, but, but but whatever. Uh, yeah, but whatever. We'll let it, we'll let it go. <laughs> but this is like a, oh, they've got some big event going on. Let's take some cameras down there get some shots yes. of real people because none of those people were acting. No, it was, it was definitely a, you could say that about event. the actors too, but that's beside the point. Continue. <laughs> no, that's different. That's different. No, this was just like scenes from a real, uh, a real bike week. Mm -hmm. uh, the guys with the big long gray beards and the cutoff Harley shirts riding their own bikes. And these 40 something women who don't wear bras lifting their shirts and, and haven't since 1967. <clears throat> yes. Um, so it's the only scene that really gets even borderline. Oh, this is PG 13 slash R. Well, yeah, um, well it gets Well, here's the thing. That's the only time they show any tatas. And it was so obvious. That was the only way they could get it in their movie. <laughs> and it, you almost, like they didn't even, they didn't even say to these ladies, all right, this is what we want you to do, okay? We want you to uh, stand up and scream on the bar. We want you to lift your shirt, show your boobs. Now, it was really just, I'm just going to stand here in bike week and film. And, and eventually, I'm going to get something and we can leave. Someone's going to lift the shirt. Yeah, it was It was not That's what it felt like. Planned. Yeah, it really <laughs> felt like. Or like somebody off off camera was going, show me your teeth! Show right. me your teeth! And, and which then, uh, quick side note, reminds me, I used to work a electrical job where we would put cell phone towers on highways, which, by the way, in Florida, in August, on White Rock, <laughs> you know you almost have heat stroke when you feel so sick at the end of the day, and it's the opening weekend of Sixth Sense, that you've, and you've actually been really jacked up to see this thing, and you're there opening night, and you have to leave. You bought your ticket and you I had to physically leave and go lay down. That's how just from the sun. But I digress about my digression because <laughs> this job was amazing because some of my coworkers at that time, Ray Ray and Big Bubba Bodine. <laughs> Tex. Well, well, no, 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 that was a totally different guy. Uh, OK, uh, <laughs> but actually he was far too high class for this group. Uh, <laughs> it, it, things like they always had these very large trucks which actually were regular size trucks, but they had tires on them that were at least what, what are like the crazy tires, like the 40 inch tire. Yeah. They look like monster trucks, but they were street legal. Right. And they got like maybe a mile and a half to the gallon. And the best part was to meet them. Immediate response would be, wow, you kill lots of hogs and date cousins. Don't you <laughs> yet? Yet as they would roll up in said trucks, Hell, you say? In, I don't date multiple cousins, just one. I'm, I'm all about the monogamy to be. <laughs> and the best part was he would come in every morning, early morning, blaring out of this big mud-encrusted truck because they had spent the weekend at Bubba's Mud Ranch. I crap you not, that's a real place around here. There is a real place, yep. yep I've been there. Bubba's Mud Ranch. You actually yep. been, you've actually been there? Yeah. I've Dude, I lived near that for nay what 20 years and i've never been in it you've actually you've been, never been in like one of the mud runs they've had there never uh, oh I, you couldn't God, pay awesome. me it is awesome there are there are less teeth there than i have in my head i'm just <laughs> <laughs> collectively 
Well, so these guys, these guys are the kind that would go there and actually be involved in the actual pulls and stuff. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where they run through the mud bog and try and get to the other side. Yeah. Well, it, much in the vein, I, I typically, I am the kind of person I love when people play against type. Okay. So I assume yeah. something about yeah. you just based on your physical, whatever. But then you just something just comes out like, oh my god, really? Wow. So and disprove what they, yes. what you expect. Well, yes. here's the thing: ninety percent of it was all true about these guys, except <laughs> they would come in blaring hardcore gangster rap. Like that's <laughs> no, wait. all what, they listen this, to. What year is this? This would have been late nineties. So we're talking like Dr. Dre. Yes. Snoop uh, Dogg. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bone Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yes. Yeah, it's it. Insane <laughs> clown posse as it were. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. So uh, we're talking hardcore thug. Yeah, right? yeah, yes, yes, for sure. So yeah, th- <laughs> these guys, yeah, no limp biscuit for these guys. <laughs> They didn't do it all for the nookie. Come on, the nookie. <laughs> no. Have I ever told the joke about how one of them used a pocket change to pay for a toothless prostitute on the way home? No, okay. <laughs> Luckily, we just heard about that story there. You guys want to hear a story? No, please, God. No. I have to no. sit next to you. I don't have my hazmat <laughs> suit. So, needless to say, <clears throat> these guys, I, I there really was a point to this story. <laughs> I have- I completely lost what it was. All right, hold hey, on. Playing against type. Playing against type. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that was the gangster rap part. No, but I originally brought it up because, oh crap, <laughs> that really sucks. <laughs> I really, it was. I was actually going to tie this back in to our original discussion. Mud bogging. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Ray Ray. Nope. Not that. No. Telling me about the theater. Pe- you were playing. You were right, wait, right. Hold on. Riding home. Telling me about the penis pumpy bot? Nope, not that one. <laughs> I'm not joking. No, no. You know, oh, he, the uh, Tower, Florida, hot Tower of Power. Oh no, that's a different story. No, putting <laughs> you left uh, six yeah, cents because it was yeah, hot. No, no, no. This yeah. it, maybe it'll come back to me. There was <laughs> <laughs> there was a point. I Probably not. <laughs> there in fact was a damn point, and it was connected to whatever we Love were talking. Blood run. No, no. But that was so. I, I'm not going to edit this part out because the Bubba's Mud Ranch by itself was worth the price of admission. Right. So, ah, damn it. No, what were we, t- we were right before I went on my little rant, my digression about my digression. We were talking about something in Miami Connection. That's what tripped the thought in my head. What were you saying last about Miami Connection 28 minutes uh, ago? <laughs> hell, if I remember. I <laughs> No. So one thing I wanted to bring up, maybe you can uh, you can recall as I talk. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. So um, one thing I thought about when I first started watching this movie, and I had never seen this movie before, as we talked about, um, this was definitely a much more Orlando-centric movie than we've ever covered before. And we talked about this in um, – I know what it was. Christmas. It was the show me your tits thing. <laughs> Sorry, because we as we would ride down. Thank the... you asked so nicely. Uh, Here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Sit, well, sit, yeah. Since you were so polite about it, young man, I'd love to show you my. TikTok. Here you go. Oh so... my God! Pull your belt up. No. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, yeah. What I was gonna say was we Please had... continue with your show me your tits story. <laughs> but at least now I know how it connected. <laughs> so yeah. So ultimately. I would we would take these really long drives, and I remember this is when I was in my heyday of I'm going to make movies. So, by the <laughs> way, imagine the 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 chunk of humble pie, twenty ish year old Joel gets 
having to ride in a beat up ass old pickup truck with no air conditioning to these roadside sites from hell with guys talking about penis pumps and literally as they get after they get breakfast from McDonald's, balling the bag up as we're driving down I-4, rolling down their window. And not even pretending to be Shucking like it out the window. Like they're not even going to pretend like they're aiming for the the truck bed. To which I respond like, "Dude, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to go back to what I was do- back to my happy place." Because I would take <laughs> I would take like legal pads and just write out plot lines for movies I would never make, and that's all I would do the entire hour long ride. Because on the be, way, um, it would just be a pretentious film guy actually guts and kills rednecks in the truck, which would have <laughs> been a great movie, by the way. <laughs> So as we're coming back, typically it was an afternoon delight for them. Yeah, they they would love to yell out. I remember us being I think it was four seventeen. That's the toll road right in Orlando ish yep. area. Yep. Okay, we would drive another road and they would roll down the road. Show me your To who? Just to random girls driving in cars. In cars. Just mm. oh, that looks hot. Let me see if I can. Okay. <clears throat> no, that's really the point. Did it actually ever happen? Did oh, no, somebody... no, 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 never. No, not even close. Really? Nah, never. Okay, so my turn. I used to work in downtown Orlando. If you tell which... me you got to see boobage, I'm going to hang up. Okay, get ready <laughs> to hang up. I, I used to work in downtown Orlando, and I worked right in the center of downtown, going through all the major thoroughfares, getting there. And I remember coming home one day, snarled traffic, as is typical for Orlando, and I'm sitting in my little... Honda Civic, little white Honda Civic. And next to me is this absolutely stereotypical Harley Davidson riding, big long beard, black cutoff shirt, jeans, leather boots. He's got all the danglies on his handlebars. What was her name? I have no clue. (laughs) But he literally is hanging there, these big giant handlebars with the the leather straps. The joke was that you were describing that, and I said her name. But yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I'm sure it was like Delilah or something. Okay. Well, so that's it. That's it. He's sitting there, arms reached out as far as they can, holding on to the handlebars. And he's sitting there and it's it's just making that sound, you know, the bubble, 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 bubble. And he looks over, not at me, at a couple other cars. He looks over, he kind of smiles, reaches one hand back up her shirt, riding behind him, no bra, and basically just flips it out and starts to fondle it, smiling at the cars next to him. He's like, <laughs> are you serious? I swear to God. That's and the I looked, creepiest like, thing I've ever visualized. Am I even alive? Am, <laughs> am I awake right now? What the hell is this? And, and let me, hold on. Wait, wait, let me guess. Was she as pretty as a picture? Was it, <laughs> was it, was it totally like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> seeing Jane <laughs> Seymour. Was she like a real high class kind of lady on the back of his bike? Um, if the picture was from The Conjuring, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not so much. <laughs> no, if it was something Wait, from The Evil assuming- Dead, I swallow your soul. I swallow your soul. Wait a second, you're assuming I looked at her face. So, <laughs> no, funnier would have been if you said, "Yeah, he reached down between her ankles and lifted up her shirt." <laughs> I, so I I will never forget that day. I'm just sitting there in my literally in you know, my it's funny, tie. I never had an experience like that. I'm I'm sitting there in my tie, coming back from my 13th floor corporate job, and I'm like <laughs> going home to the family, doing my job. And I look over, and it was like a movie moment. And he's just like, <laughs> so was he smiling at you, or was it somebody else? 
he wasn't looking at me. It was at, a, at least a car or two in front of me, but I was next to him or close to next to him. And I just remember thinking, um, hello, where's the police officer? Stop yeah. this shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It was. Wow. Uh, I, I totally thought that story was going to start with you saying, so I'm driving home from my corporate job. And I looked over and I saw this biker and I made the motion for him to show me his girlfriend. <laughs> No. Jason, <laughs> show me your kids. No, oh, God, I have never. You know, uttered you, words do you like... not? Yeah, thank God. Do you know how utterly humiliating and embarrassing it is to be in a vehicle with people that stupid? <laughs> Seriously, like it was just a... I definitely. Yes, I oh, can. Uh, God, I, I can. That I miss that job. I really, so really do. I really miss that job. I'm sorry. So yeah, before we get too deep into the. Uh, I don't even know what kind of abyss we've gone into. We're not even talking about Miami connection. We're talking about really attractive uh, biker babe. But yeah. yes, that's how it connects because there's basically that scene. Now I do want to make sure that we cover two other key points. Okay, One of please. those points is that pretty confident people that made this movie confused drama and dramatic moments, tension and yelling. Because there's a lot of yelling. And there is incoherent yelling. Yes. So well, and, not just yelling, but yelling that you can't understand what they're saying. Well, and, and specifically, we find out that Dragon Sound had gotten this gig at a club. Well, there was another band. And this guy actually did look a little like uh, Billy Mays. Yes, he, he had the weight to him. Yes, and he was like the weight, and the other guy had the better hair for it. But, yeah. but, but together, they would have made a perfect Billy Mays <laughs> here. And... <laughs> This is to give you just a, a touch of they show up to want demanding to know <clears throat> why they're not the band. I'm going to just throw it out there. This could be why. What are you in here for, man? Waste hey, my time? Bitch. I thought I fired you. Yeah, you, you, you fired me because of the goddamn dragon sound. That's bullshit. They came in to play goddamn songs for kids. Now, who are you bullshit? They play a lot better than you, man. You yeah, play now the goddamn kitty music. Your music's for old hey, look, people, buddy. Fat, man. You don't know what music's all about. And that just escalates from there and they get in this really kind of slap and tickle fight. I don't even know how to, it's like, <laughs> well, he's kind of you like, know it is? it's whose line is it anyway for non-actors? <laughs> like they gave them a moment, had nothing to do with anything. Okay. So you're hey. a band leader and you really are pissed because you got let go and replaced by this band who apparently does music for cats. But you can only say he said kitty music. The worst, the worst, the worst curse words you can use are goddamn it, son of a bitch. There's no other swears in this movie. Look, we, we already got the boobs out of the way. We need the swears. So if you could give us some swears, that would be great. Which is which is fascinating about this movie is he's the only person. I think so. The lead singer of whatever band this was, because they never show them. There's no, no exposition no, to none. say that. There was a previous band that was there that they took over. It just is this weird interjection that uh, this other band has this beef against them because they took their job. He's the only person in this movie that uses curse words. And I mean that in the most liberal sense of curse word that you can possibly think of. He's the only person that uses them. So, yeah. A string of son of a bitch, goddamn, and bullshit. And right, that's but it. that's and that's and it's and it's kind of 
forced, like almost like he didn't yes. like before. Like, do I really go to see? Almost like the San, uh, the Joe from Ernest Saves Christmas, how he doesn't uh, want to swear in front of the kids. Right, right. Oh, I don't know. Should I, <laughs> I do I this? I don't think I should say that. It's really um, inappropriate. I'm yeah. not really sure if that's uh, it's in the right message about the martial arts spirit. And, Which is and, funny because you probably meet the guy in real life, and he's like a big teddy bear kind of kid show. And he actually has this disorder. Hey, how the hell are you? <laughs> hey, glad, hey. glad to see you. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like a Tourette's thing. Ooh, sorry for making fun of you, buddy. So anyway, uh, uh, before we continue on, we have to acknowledge, we have to acknowledge the subplot that yes. culminates in. My yeah. father. I found my father. <laughs> oh, my God. That never gets old. My wife did not watch this movie with me. I played that sound bite for her. She laughed. <laughs> so the story is YK Kim. Is this Mark. like a bad rap na- rapper name? <laughs> it's going to be my rap name. Yeah, YK Kim. <laughs> Walking in. No, it's. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, please, please do the white boy rap. Please, please. Where, no. you, where everything's like very literally wrapped. YK Kim walking in. You play in. with he me, is- I kick your ass. You got no place in my grass. Get off my lawn, you goddamn kids! <laughs> oh, ass. You know I will. Um, I'll bust your lids. <laughs> right. I'm YK Kim. Don't call me Slim, Shady, because that would be wrong. Maybe, maybe right. <laughs> I waited for a, a nice breakout white rap song in this oh that's yeah, honestly i have like a whole list of like all the wonderful things like white people <laughs> dancing badly two <laughs> right. at least two montage sequences but you're right but no white people no rap. rapping damn it no it was full on like hair band rock music and i'll get back to uh tom in a minute here but uh one yeah. of the things i noticed about this the band played at least three songs in their entirety. So this is not like a movie where even um, back to school where you've got Oingo Boingo playing a portion of a top 40 song in Dead Man's Party. Yep. They play just, they play just a segment of it. Party. Yeah, they play a segment of it, not the entire three-minute song. This movie plays at least three songs from absolute beginning and to it, just so we're clear, this absolute is an 86-minute long movie. <laughs> Yes. So no. at least nine of those minutes are made up of power ballad songs. If you accept YK Kim's presentation of this movie, if you like good music mm-hmm. and good martial arts action. So this is a musical and an action film at the same time. We but, have motorcycle ninjas. You know yeah. you want to watch it. Whoever you are out there, you know you want to watch it. <laughs> it's good. But so, so yes, there's our story so they play, so when they actually do the songs, they do the songs from beginning to end. So let us continue with the, my father. <laughs> yes. So Tom, so this is a story of uh, YK Kim and his disciples, or at least the band that he's in. Or the um, Orpans as they're. The Orpans. Uh, and so it's John, who is sort of like his second in command, the really tall, skinny, gaunty white guy. Who goes on an arterial spraying rampage. <laughs> he goes in a bloody bloodbath at the end. And then Jack played by Joe Diamond, who is one of the actual musicians in this. And uh, who, in point of uh, questionable fact, 
was uh, he's John the, Oates. I think he actually yeah, was he, John Oates. I think he was. He looks in, like John Oates from Holland Oates. Seriously, uh, like the first reaction I had is I'm watching, like, why the hell is that Oates guy in this? Well, first I looked it up because I thought it was him. Oh, did you? Huh. Well, I first was like, okay, Holland Oates. Which was Hall and which was Oates? Right. It's like Simon and Garfunkel. I know I the difference of, between them. Yes, and uh, because Paul Simon had a career. But, Whoa! Um, I, ouchie! <laughs> because, no, because I was thinking of Daryl Hall is the blonde guy. Okay. And John Oates was the mustached guy. Yeah, because... So, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that clears it up. So, yes. <clears throat> so, yes, so you, Joe Diamond plays the Italian guy, and then Tom, played by Angelo Gennati, uh, was... The guy who in what? this movie played. Well, listen to. Wait, wait, hold on. At the very beginning. My mother was Korean. And my father was black American. So he cleared that up. <laughs> right. So. And by the way, he has uh, as much Korean uh, in him as I do Mel Mackian. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the sub story of this yes. was that his father had run away when. The war ended, and we assume the Vietnam War, maybe the Korean War. They don't really clarify. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's 1987. So if it was the Korean War. But it was so bad. But to to be fair, he is like 48 years old. Well, he's playing 48, playing 22. So to be fair. Right. So (laughs) they play the idea that. His uh, his mom was a native of the country. His dad was there on military service. Uh, when the war was over, his dad left and then left him and his mom to fend for themselves. And so he has all this time in trying to find his dad. He wrote to the Department of Defense. He's trying to find out who his dad really was. But he didn't really want to. Because <laughs> I didn't like him. Because he left us. Loved us. Oh, the, subtext began. Probably damned. one of the best parts of the movie. Dude, the guy actually came to tears. I'm going to spoil the hell out of this. At the end of the movie, they have a showdown between the rock band Dragon Sound and the Ninja Bikers. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, worst ninjas ever. They are. They're very, very obvious. And so at the very end, Dragon Sound prevails. The ninjas are killed. But in the ensuing fight, Tom gets slashed across the chest. Yes. The samurai sword, as he is in his suit, going to meet his dad. Which, yeah, because so, they, they had pulled their, like, $228 together that they right. had remaining. Every dime that they had, they're like, oh, I have 150 I have 60 I have $20. Okay, let's put it together. So they find his real dad. They're going to meet him. That's when the whole battle ensues on the way. And Tom gets sliced across the chest. You think he's dead, like literally yeah. Y.K. Kim's character drags him through a canal. Yes. Like he's dead and cries that he's dead. They make it to a hospital. In the hospital, his dad shows up. The doctor comes out, talks to his dad. His dad looks, I'm going to say, four years younger than his son. Yeah, well, wait, no, but with but gray highlights. Yeah, they, but they literally <laughs> like used like painted, ink, gray, yeah, painted gray hair into his hair. What a young guy! <laughs> um, and he he plays his dad, and the doctor says he's lost a lot of blood, but he's going to live. Which immediately after they wheel him out in a wheelchair. Well, he says, "He goes, so I'm going to send him home with you." 
make sure. I'm like, why would you do that? And they wheel him out in a wheelchair and he says, I'm ready to go home. And they take him home. The only thing missing is as they exited the hospital. Did they true, all jump? Yes. He, like he leaps up out of the wheelchair. They all kick the heels and freeze frame. Yes, they did and then, freeze wait, frame. Wait, wait, wait. They did do a freeze frame, didn't they? Yeah, yes, and, they, they and, then, wait, and this play. World friends. They did freeze frame when they're walking That's out right, of the hospital. That's right, they did. They just needed to leap in the air and like click their heels. <laughs> <laughs> like their dances are kind of jig. Just <laughs> I'm referring to the tough guy song because that's when because that was I, I I may have hijacked the conversation at that point about the bikers uh, from Bye. you. Uh, so they're coming in on their little Kawasaki's. They're going to Bike Week in Orlando, and Bye. the leader of the ninjas, whatever his Which name, seems was. to be I don't even remember his name, but he's the only Asian guy in the biker ninjas uh, yes. as they're riding in. And of course. It's supposed to set the stage for the fact that the ninja bikers are going to a club in Orlando and they are the high rollers. They're the big shots. They're the guys with all the money. They're the badasses and they're not in their ninja gear. And as with most of the movies I watch on the show, I watch with my kids because I'm giving them an eighties education. So we're, we're sitting there and we're watching the movie. I'm not saying a word and the lead biker is on his little short handlebar Kawasaki riding with no ninja gear on. And he's got like this big scarf an ascot. And it's not even like a full white scarf. Like you'd imagine some guy driving a turn of the century or or some guy trying to be like Marlon Brando. No, no, it's not like a, a, um, riding in a biplane scarf flying behind. No, it's like literally a, a really silk scarf with highlights and everything. And he's driving down and the song is playing tough guys and he's riding in the front and they've zoomed in on him. And my, my 11 year old daughter says, yeah, nothing says tough guy, like riding a motorcycle with a scarf on (laughs) dude. My boy got burned (laughs) by an 11 year old. That is just, priceless and i didn't even set it up that's I'm how you know you're raising anything. your kid right laughing. oh how, no. how would you not do i would have just <laughs> i laughed after but i'm not laughing watching him i'm trying to yeah me. i would just look at him and said good one giving her a high five <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> i have trained you well grasshopper uh, <laughs> oh my god oh my gosh um so in closing <laughs> i have to say if you've not seen this movie, go out and watch it immediately. Um, purchase it if you so love cheesy movies, because I plan on trying to find this on Amazon and buying a copy of it in case uh, Netflix discontinues it from its instant. But this is a very sincere effort movie mm-hmm. yes, made by layman's that just happen to be awesome funny and i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean it's kind of one of those reasons that people who love cheesy movies absolutely love the films that were made to be great and just fell short i I loved it so yes um i'll get this other way now i give it a solid four i recommended this to my dad i recommended (laughs) this to people at work i i almost went back and i had a little time yesterday i almost watched it again I thought the same thing when it was over. I thought I got to watch this again. I got to watch another time. So yes, I I agree. I'd give it a solid four. It's one of those that you can't forget once you've seen it. And 
There are so many little nuances that once you've seen it, you got to go back and kind of days see later, it. you'll smile. I was walking <laughs> or, around this weekend going friends for eternity. <laughs> or you can't stop speak. singing. The and my song. Kid, yeah. even my kids are looking at me like, Dad, why? <laughs> why? Against the ninja. My, my seven year old's like, what? I'm like, against now, the ninja. <laughs> now, this is one that I have to say is the opposite or almost opposite of CND. Because if I had seen this when I was 13, mm -hmm. I would not have been as big of a fan then as I am now. Well, except for the biker scene. Maybe the biker scene. Just <laughs> for the same reason I love National Geographic. But I'm not there. <clears throat> but this is one that I think as uh, someone who's seen a lot of movies and critiqued a lot of movies, I love it more now for the sincerity factor and the fact that these guys really put a lot of effort into it. And um, it's no big movie people and no funding, no nothing that it came out like this. That's what I love. Mm -hmm. I love the effort they put into it just for what it came out to be. Yeah, there was a definite underdog story aspect. And uh, I know we're going to wrap it up and go to our movie picks, but I will say the Taekwondo practice sequence on the UCF grounds <laughs> that seemed to go on forever between YK Kim, John, and one of their other students. These are all guys that are on the same team yet. Yep. I will say they pummeled the crap out of each other. Well, mainly YK Kim pummeled the crap out of them. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was also, they could, also they could foreshadow. Also they could foreshadow the final death blow oh. from the end of the movie. Yes, they did. They did. But you know what? Here's the thing. A, would you argue, since I recommended Cuffs as well as this one, I have somewhat redeemed myself, though I will even grant you not completely for Cuffs. <laughs> and, and B, B, unlike Cuffs, they at least foreshadowed some stuff. <laughs> um, you say some stuff like it's multiple. I would say okay, well, the end. I will give them that. At least, yes. at least they did try to set that Shadowed up. Shadowed something. Yeah, yes. Yes. It, and it really you wasn't even something. It wasn't something that didn't have to be foreshadowed, quite honestly, because it wasn't yeah. like it was some special weapon that we find out later was important to the. No, it was literally no. just some move he does. But yeah. So, needless to say, Miami Connection. Yeah. We both highly recommend. Hey, you made up for it. I agree. This was much more entertaining. Oh yeah, way more. Uh, from an overall standpoint, and and I I really enjoyed it. So. Well right. done, Mike. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I will never make up for a gnome named Gnorm, though. <laughs> no, you won't. Okay, so I am going to now cue the movie Picks Music. <laughs> Jason? <laughs> so this is a tough movie to connect to something else. Yeah, because, because everybody in it didn't do anything else. <laughs> this, is, this is the only thing... Almost everyone in the movie has done um, because they are not actors, as we mentioned. They're they're really just students of Taekwondo or friends of YK Kim. But there was one person I found a connection to, and I'm going to say I decided not to pick them as my movie pick. But Martin Lawrence. In, no, in the scene in which they are doing uh, kind of the panning of the biker scene where they're at uh, Biketoberfest at Daytona, there's a guy that sticks a nail up his nose. And pulls it out, literally in the credits. He's called Nail Guy. Mm. Um, played a Klansman in Bad Boys Two. So there is the one 
one connection to a, another movie. But that's not what I'm going to pick. That's not. Okay. I actually decided that from this movie, uh, I wanted to pick something that it was another great martial arts film. And we've talked about Ip Man um, and how much you enjoyed that when you watched it because it had mm-hmm. great drama and great martial arts. I wanted to pick another one that I felt was a good martial arts film. Um, it's called Ong Bak. O-N-G. B-A-K. And it stars a guy named Tony Ja, J-A-A. And he is a, a black belt in Thai martial arts called Muay Thai. And it's a fantastic kind of uh, elbow, knee, close quarters combat oh, cool. martial arts that I really like. And he, he went on to do two other movies. And from what I've read, IMDb and otherwise, he uh, tried to direct the second film and star in it, burned himself out, killed the end of the movie, just like he couldn't make it to finish the film, and they had to bring in another guy to direct it. Um, but the first one is, it's dirty and a lot of rags on the, the the stars and the people who are playing it. It's not a high money film, but it's a really, really well put together film. And Tony Jaw is, just like YK Kim, a genuine martial arts master, um, but it's from 2003. It's not relatively old, but it's, it's a cool movie. I'm not vouching for the sequels two and three, but for the first one, it's actually really good. So, well, you have a very good track record for your martial arts movies recommend re- recommendation. <laughs> so uh, I will check it. I think I've seen that title on Netflix. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a highly rated one. I mean, it's, it, I think the original got like seven stars on IMDb. So it's the first one's a really it's a it's a genuinely good martial arts film. I don't okay, cool. uh, um, but it's but it's good, definitely. Oh cool. Yeah, we'll check that out. Excellent pick, my friend. Well, mine is one I'm pretty sure I've picked before, but it's been a long time and it's one that needs a recommendation from time to time. I believe mm-hmm. it is the movie that I recommended uh when we did our, our individual appearances on uh, Pop Spotting with uh, Ryan and Jen Ozawa back in the day. Uh, yep. I, I mentioned this movie, but I felt it was fitting. Very, very fitting for the Miami connection. And my choice was the making of dot, 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 and God spoke, (laughs) which is a mockumentary Mm -hmm. about the making of a uh, independent film where the gentlemen have decided, uh, which, by the way, their filmography includes such classics like Dial S for sex and nude ninjas. (laughs) They have decided that the highest selling book in history is, in fact, the Bible. And it would. Make, uh, it is. Yes. And it would make one hell of a good movie. No pun intended. <laughs> now, they, of course, have grand ambition. They don't think, oh, maybe a story out of the Bible would be a good low budget production. No, they want to do the whole Bible and they do it for about eleven million dollars. Well, they try to. It features such amazing performances by. Soupy Sales as Moses. Uh, Eve Plum, also known as Jane Brady, plays Noah's yeah. wife. Oh, my gosh. Andy Dick and Lou Ferrigno as Cain and Abel. That's That sequence is just worth the price of admission by itself. It is hilarious. I, I, would, I would say it's on par with the best uh, Christopher Guest mockumentaries like it's on par in my mind it's on par with waiting for guffman and best in show which i consider to be the premium of that particular group i i I appreciate this is spinal tap okay i appreciate it 
But mm-hmm. but uh, my personal favorites are Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, and I would easily put this up there with it. And especially if you're somebody with film experience or you just love movies and you're familiar with the behind the scenes stuff, because the movie that they end up with is very much akin to Miami Connection. That's why I picked this. So, mm. and God wow. spoke the making of and God spoke from 1993. That is my yeah. movie package. Now you've mentioned it before, so I've got it on my list. I've got it written down as. Have you watched it yet? Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. Uh, you you, you, you would before. like it. You would like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've talked about it before, and you've told me about the Lou Ferrigno, uh, yeah. Andy Dick sequence. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so great, so great. You know, you know, I commit the first murder. Um, you're playing Abel. What? Cut to just them circling each other in this dirt pit and they're growling. Just picture Lou Ferrigno. This is like when he's in his prime, you know, and he like gra- his Hercules prime. Yeah. Yeah. He grabs Andy Dick and just slams him and then cut to Andy Dick on a gurney with a bloody Kleenex up his nose. I'm going to get him in the next round. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So yes, my friend, would you like to submit to our beautiful audience, how they may in fact contact us and, and or leave us some review <laughs> goodness on iTunes? Yes. Uh, first and foremost, check us out on iTunes. Uh, if you haven't already, go on there and leave us a review. Tell us what you thought. Give us five stars. Or if you don't, then you know, just don't leave us a review. That's okay. Um, you can check us out on ForgottenFlix.com. That's F-L-I-X. You can find all of our previous episodes, reviews. We've got all kinds of articles, games, and uh, shenanigans galore. And then, of course, we are on all of your social media outlets um, on iTunes. I mean, on uh, uh, Twitter, we are on Forgotten Flicks and at Flicks Sidekick. And then, of course, we're on Facebook. So check us out there. Indeed. Indeed. So, Jason, before we put this one in the the books, do you have any final words? I'm not afraid of you at all, at all. Goodbye.